I could let you go, but I tell you, I've been holding this word in my heart all week. And I, and, and then, you know, that H word got used this morning and we were talking about that Wednesday night and, and Anita wasn't here to know that we were talking about that H word just because it came up with legalization of marijuana for medical purposes. And, you know, some of the, the marriage things and the things about homosexuality or gay rights and with all this stuff happening, um, what is the church going to do? What do we, how do we respond to those things? What, what will we allow or reject or what's this mean? And some of, some of us have friends who are, are uh, now out of the closet, admitted homosexuals. Some have, have sons and daughters. What are you going to do with that? I can't think of a bigger issue in the church right now and in our world than that. And so my sister calls me yesterday, of all things. I'm kind of ready to let's, can't we just have fun? Can't we just smile? Can't we just praise Jesus? Instead, we got to get into this heavy-duty talk. And so my sister calls because my niece is, uh, has got friends, and they got into a discussion about it. And now my, my niece wants to reject God, Jesus, and the Bible. It's just ridiculous. And so she wants to reject all of it. Why? Because... We're standing for a principle that we believe is actually in the Bible. And it's not just a mean thing. It's an honest thing. It's the truth. And we've got to know the truth so we can be set free. And so in this case, I want to wrap all up that, that stuff because we're talking about change and the winds of change. As a matter, last week we talked about, I just did an intro from Ezekiel 37, which talks about the valley of dry bones. And it talks about that, that God says to Ezekiel, the prophet, and he says, uh, prophesy to the, to the bones. And he prophesied to the bones. And what prophecy is, is God speaking something that might happen now, but it also has a future tense, which means I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do. And so he says, here's this. I'm going to give this power back to the bones, these valley, this valley of dry bones, all these graves, all these bones literally would have been parched. A matter of being out in the sun, they were just laying in this valley. A big battle had come through there, and there were just dead bodies. that had, the, the flesh had been picked off of them now, just dead, dry bones. And, and the question is, can these bones live? And that was a question from God to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel turns back and says, God, you know if these bones can live. God says, well, you prophesy to those bones. And, and so he did. He prophesied, and what he spoke is what God wanted to speak. And so when he spoke that, the bones come back together and they grow. They actually have tissue and, and, and uh, tendons and, and all the things for it. But there's still no breath, still no breath. And so all of a sudden, what happened is, God wanted to emphasize still no breath. What happens is, he says, prophesy now to the wind. Prophesy to the wind. And when he prophesied to the wind, breath came into the bones and they stood up and assembled a mighty army is what the scripture says, a mighty army. You know what? God can do something that looks dead and he can raise it back up. He can fix it. He can mend it better, better than it was before. Because I'm telling you now, it's all the flaws that were in those bones and all the flaws that were in those bodies taken away. Why? Because God prophesied. And when God speaks something, it's a perfect word. Amen. It's a perfect word. So here's what we need. We need that. We need the Ohio Valley needs the wind of God. We need the prophetic word to come and to renew, to construct, to put back together what he is intended for.
Amen? If we're falling apart, it's for a reason. And if God's allowing us to fall apart, it's for a reason. Because maybe what was isn't what he wanted and it has to fall apart before he can actually put it back together. Wow, that is the word of the Lord. Do you get that? Sometimes we we find our, our weakest moment, weakest point is when all of a sudden it seems like our lives are falling apart. And God says, yeah, I didn't want that. Years ago, we covered the instruments up here, and God said he's, he's done with what we were doing with worship in that time. God said, no more. <laughs> Cover it with sheets. And I was like dazed because I'm thinking it was days or weeks that I was struggling with what, what does that mean, God? And what I had was a sense of is that when you cover something like that, it's like a vacation home, like a lakefront, and you, you're going away. And I'm like, God, are you saying that you're, you're not, you're not going to come and inhabit the praises of your people? Are you saying you're not going to be in our, in our church? Are you not going to be in our... And I literally was... I mean, I'm just... What have I done? That, that we've lost the glory of the Lord. And God said, finally, after a couple of days of me really laboring over that thing, He said, that's not it. I had a vision of the toe tag. And it was coming out from underneath the sheet, like a red tag that, that's on a dead person. And that's what God said. I wanted to kill what you've been doing, that I might raise up what I have for you. Wow. Remember that, Kevin? And you were in the same place. Kevin, you know, he's ready to go do some, anything, but to do what we're calling worship, what was going on, dynamics of team or whatever here. And it was really a matter of saying, you know, I said, Kevin, don't go anywhere. God is speaking and God's going to, he's going to do his work here. And as hard as that was, I'm telling you, you know, think about what we have today and how we worship and praise and think about doing that to CDs. And think about having a little machine back there going through five discs and trying to find the right number and not being able to come back and go over the song Boy, that was rough worship. How many of you were here during that? Remember? It was probably a good 15 people, 20 people maybe. Yes, sir. Wow. I'm telling you, it was probably some of... It was the smartest and the dumbest thing in my early days as a pastor in this church. Because you would say, somebody would say, are you insane to go to CD worship and, and come away from live worship? And, and you know what? If God said do it, that's what we're going to do. Now, I'd like to think that I was all that smart. All I was doing is I was all that hungry for presence of God. And I was all that wanting whatever he wants for us. And knowing that what we were doing was, was broken. It was damned, if you will. He, he was, it was cursed. So what happened is, God says, it ain't easy, but it's necessary. Change. Here's the way, walk in it, amen? Remember, the first page on there, it says, a changed life is evidence of faith. A transformed life is the proof of the power of God. That's what we all want. And guess what? The world needs that. And that's why we have to let this become evident, this change, this transformation. That's why we have to let our light shine so that we actually have the opportunity with people. Amen? It says in Jude, you can read the whole chapter. It's only one. In Jude, it literally talks about people who, who gather sometimes in worship settings. It says, um, 
It's Jude 12, 23. It's not on your notes. It's just, it says, there are people who are warts on your love feasts as you worship and eat together. I love that, warts on your love feasts. They're inviting, uh, they're, they're giving you a black eye, carousing shamelessly, grabbing anything that's not nailed down. They're puffs of smoke pushed by gusts of wind. Late autumn trees stripped clean of leaf and fruit, doubly dead, pulled up by the roots, wild ocean waves leaving nothing on the beach but the foam of their shame. Lost stars in outer space on their way to the black hole. And so it gives you an idea. And then he says in verse 17 of Jude, it says, Remember, dear friends, that the apostles, our master Jesus Christ, told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. Folks, that's the reason why in Timothy that that it says that there will come a time where people will not endure sound doctrine or teaching, but will gather people who will tickle their ears. And this is in the same spirit. They will, they will treat them as a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. And so when it talks about sensuality and it talks about some of the, day, the things that we're going through today, 1980 years later, that we're still experiencing it, we're seeing it fresh and maybe growing worldwide, not just in the United States. And what is it? It's a calamity of people assembling their own belief system and trying to create their own religion and modify whatever it is of doctrine that they didn't like so that they can embrace something that seems a little nicer, kinder. Well, sometimes it's, it's the justice of God that requires him that actually sorts it out because otherwise it's blurred for everyone. And he makes it very clear. This is the way you should, you should live your lives. Walk this way. Be this kind of person. And so we're heading there in the place. It talks about splitting churches, talks about all these things. Here's what it says. Go after those. It says, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. That's what we were just talking about. Go easy on John. Go easy. He's just waiting. We're going to catch up, aren't we? Go easy. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners. Can you say be tender? Yeah, be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks to high heaven. That's God's word in Jude 23, verse 23. Let me just, uh, in your bulletin, there's some questions. Is there anything about you that God wants to change? What? Now, that's meant for you to fill in those blanks. What is it that God wants to change in your life? You don't have to share that with anybody else. Just know that if you'll be really ruthlessly honest, God will speak something, and he probably already has. And so what he wants is he wants change. And you'll say, but it's so hard. And you say, yep, it is. Put it down. God wants to change, not somebody else, not somebody make them happy, not to, not to shut them up. What does God want? Name two things in your life that, that have changed because of your faith in God. John just talked about some blessings that are coming his way. Amen? I, I know people who have somebody that God brought that ends up being a blessing. And if I was a stodgy old, you know, legalistic Christian, Ted and Terry wouldn't be married. That would be an outlaw according to the Bible. You'd be causing each other to commit adultery. But 
the grace of God. And what's he do? He's done amazing things in your life, hasn't he? And he's done amazing things in your kids' lives. And he healed two hearts and brought them together. Well, I'm sh- I didn't ask for permission to share that, but you know my heart toward you. That It's a great testimony, isn't it? And you give that when we do a powwow. So some of you look forward to the next powwow so they can tell their story. Amen? It's one of brokenness and how God brought each other to, the, to each other. And he fixed them. Amen? By the time I got here, they were perfect. <laughs> Number three says, why do you think change is so hard for people? Why do you think? Think about it in your own life. Why is change so hard? Megan, I think you said you went through like three or four different programs or something, didn't you? Before you finally got it. And you got some, deli- I'm sure there's some level, but there's still more. Amen. And so the truth is, we got people that we're, 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 we're not who we used to be, but we're not also where God wants us to be just yet. Amen. That's the reason for change. I'm telling you, from youngest to oldest. What about the last one says, if, are you willing to be transformed in the area that has been the most difficult to see lasting change? And if yes, write it down right now. That's because you've got to be willing to be willing. It's, it's the willingness to be able to... If, 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 if you could say, Anita, after all this, you could say, well, I'm sorry, but pastor, I, I just never have... I'm 63 and a half years old, and I've never worn my seatbelt in Shadyside, and I'm not going to start now, even despite this, this accident and this blooming miracle. And some of you might say, hmm, boy, God's going to do something here because that's a little stubbornness and rebellion. And instead, do you hear what she has? A surrendered heart. Because God has given her grace all through life. She's never had an incident, an accident that has caused her injury And here it is, she happens to be wearing, just happens, by an act of God, she's wearing her seatbelt and she's protected. Uh, You you know, some of us, the preacher might have to convince somebody that there was just a blooming miracle and God did something amazing. But when you know that God did something amazing, you don't need somebody to preach to. You got the evidence in your own life. Amen? All right, ready? Ready? I just want to uh, pull up Ephesians 2, 1 to 13. I'm going to fly through the blanks. Don't worry. I'm not going to preach long on every step. But, but here's what I want to do. I want to read this because I want you to do you mark in your Bible. Do you underline or circle or highlight or anything else? If you do, um, get your pencil ready. I'm going to tell you more than likely you don't have these marks in your Bible. God spoke this fresh. This was this morning. This is, uh, this is manna this morning. That means food this morning. That as I'm doing this, I hadn't planned on it, but God just says, do that. I started doing it and was like, wow, cool, God. I'll just preach that today. You ready? It's Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 13. Yours may say something a little different. This is all out of the New Living Translation for this this segment. Um, This is called the necessity of change. That's your first one on there, the necessity of change. It's necessary, see? The necessity of change, and it's Ephesians 2, 1 to 13. I put that there. If you want to mark down NLT next to it, if you have several versions, you can see exactly what what I'm doing here, okay? So there it is. Can you see this? I want you to think of this. Throughout, I want you to mark these words. I'll tell you what they are at the beginning. Then I'm going to tell you why. See where it starts out? Read those first three words for me. Okay, now say it with emphasis. Yeah. Once you were, you get the point. 
he starts out by telling you something that you used to be, which indicates something that you're no longer. Amen. It's important for the Christian to get this stuff in his mind, in her mind for, for God's saying. So here it is. Ready? I'm going to read it from my tablet. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Some people who sin don't think about obeying the devil, but that's what the Bible says. The commander of the powers of the unseen world. That's what Anita was talking about territorial spirits, things that are happening in the, in the world. We don't have eyes to see that, but Christians should have. He is the spirit, underlying is, at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He is. He's a current enemy. That is, the devil is a current enemy. And how about verse 3? All of us used to live that way. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4. I'm waiting for somebody to read. It's on the wall, isn't it? Huh? But God. But God. That says this was, but God says he's doing a new thing. Say new thing thing, new thing. That's it. New thing. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that. Go ahead. Even though we were get it, even though we were, even though we were, doesn't mean we are anymore. Even though we were, doesn't mean we are anymore. Even though we were, you're a were you. Did you know that you're a were you're a were. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us, past tense, he gave us, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. When did that happen? Somewhere around 35 to 40 AD. That means 1900 and some odd years ago. Before you ever existed, God did a work knowing that you were coming. You didn't surprise God. He's the one who said, boom, time for you, Patty. Hallelujah. Because then he knew what he was going to bring through you and do in your life and bring forth fruit and how he'd be, he'd be glorified in that life. That's what he's done for each and every one of us. We got something that we're about to do that's going to bring him glory. You got that? That's prophecy. That's true. Because if you'll yield to him, he'll do something through you for somebody else, and he'll do something to you for his own glory. For it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are, say we are, yeah, united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us In all future ages. That means from the time he wrote this, from the time of Jesus in all future ages, God has something present that he's speaking. Something that he's going to do. And he says in future ages, this will happen. This is going to come about. And that's the hope of the world. Is the idea that God, he's about to reveal himself. That God has done and he is doing and he will do. See, that's the hope of of our lives. Amen. So... 
God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Do you hear all these these words? God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. John, you couldn't have purchased that house. You, you offered 700 and they come back and said 400. That's just a blooming God thing, you see? And you can't take credit as a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus So we can do, so we can do, that means present right now, they call that present tense, the good things he planned for us long ago, more than 63 and a half years ago. Huh? This is why he's created us. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Verse 12. In those days, back then, you were living apart from Christ. You get it? You were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, say, but now, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You want a Bible study? I just gave you one. Huh? That's how you can study your Bible, not just read your Bible. You get to study the Bible and say, what is it really saying? It's saying that you were, but now you no longer are. It's saying all kinds of, listen to that. The power of change, that's what we're talking about. That's the next blank. The power of change. The tense is is what we're talking about. We're talking about the tense of the words. It's called past, present. It's called future. When we're talking about things that have happened is past and things that are going on right now versus things that will happen, see? And so we're talking about a tense that God put in his word back in 65, somewhere around 60, 65 uh, AD. That's how many years ago this is. And he put it in there for you and me today that we find ourselves right in God's word that this is who we used to be, but we no longer are that because... But now, because God has done this, amen? So here it is. Once were, had, have, were, but now, has raised, has seated, done, future ages. Do you see what God's saying? God's saying, look at all this. This is who you used to be. It's proof of, my, uh, of me. It's proof of my existence. It's proof that, that here, this is the way it used to be, but now. And this is what I'm doing. And you have this hope and you have this revelation already. And because of this hope and because of this revelation, guess what? There's something that he's yet to do. And the yet to do is 
what we're yearning for. That's what we're listening for. That's what we're hoping for. We can't wait for. We're saying, God, come on. King of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come down. That's what we want, isn't it? Because you know what you get with him? You get perfection. You get everything that needs to change in the blink of an eye. Go ahead, blink your eye. That's fast, wasn't it? In the blink of an eye. Ready for the next one? I might have messed it up. Yeah, I did. I probably told you one that wasn't belonging in there. The next one is power of change, and that's Romans 12, 1 to 3. I'm sorry. Stay with it. You're okay. Don't put that yet. It's the certainty of change. We need to insert the power of change. But the certainty of change is Romans 12, 1 to 3. You guys know what that says, right? Romans 12, 1 to 3 says this. I'll read it for you quickly. So here's what I want to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now listen to this, verse 3. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us and not by what we are and what we do for him. There's some more of that tent stuff going off. See? It's not what, what, it's by what God is and what he does. He's a God who was, but he's also a God who is, and he's a God who's going to do. He's constant, faithful. Matthew 5 is the reality of change. I love this because this happens before the cross. And what that means is before Jesus died on the cross and actually did all that, that, that had to be done to declare it is finished, that he actually he made a prophetic statement. Remember, something speaking to something yet to happen. And he did it this way in Matthew 5. This is the part where he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Say testimony. That's what it is. You're letting your light shine. Um, the necessity of change. Yeah. Then here we are with the reality of change. And then verse 16 says it this way. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So he actually calls us the light of the world before he's actually taken us out of darkness and given us his light. Isn't that amazing? It tells you God knew what he was going to do before he ever did it. Jesus declares it in the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of his, of his active ministry, his visible ministry to the world. And he says, you're the, the light. He also said in there, you're the salt. Amen? All right, ready? Let's see where I'm at. How change happens. Here's some steps. I'm going to have to finish them next week, but here's some steps. Ready? The first one out of James 5, 16, 
The blank there is confess, confession. The steps to change happening is confession. That's the first one. I, I, just, I just put down the reference for James 5.16, which says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Do you see that the next part is confess your sins to one another? Folks, when I grew up in a religion where you had to come and you had to confess your sins to, to one man and then he would tell you what you had to do to get right with God, I'm not talking about that kind of thing because then I gave you the other reference there. I believe I did. It's James. or Yeah, First John. First John actually says that we get to uh, we get fellowship with God. See? So what we get to do is if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, unri- all, all unrighteousness or wickedness. See? He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So the issue is we go to God and confess our sins. The reason you would confess your sins to another person is guess what? It's coming up. Don't pull it in yet, but it's coming. That's exactly why we would do it. We would have to confess our sins. But see, the one another is the important part because that's what he gave us. Love one another. Confess your sins to one another. When you do that, you all of a sudden shed light in the potential for you to be free because you've actually surrendered a part of your life. I'm not talking about coming out of the closet and continuing to be as you are. I'm talking about coming out of the closet and being real and saying, I'm a mess and I need your help. The next one is faith. Faith, which is Philippians 4, 12 and 13. The steps. One is confession. The second one is faith. How many know that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So with faith, I'm just having faith in him, not faith in myself, because if I could fix myself, I wouldn't be broke. I have faith in him that he's going to continue this work. And so verse 12 and 13, you'll know it by verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You say that. Do you actually believe it? You say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Are you really anticipating change that he wants to, or have we just thrown our hands up and said, phooey, say phooey, phooey. <laughs> I'm not saying phooey. How about the next one is conviction. Conviction, which says what? Something's got to change. I have a conviction that says this ain't okay. This isn't right. God wants me to change. Conviction, something's got to change. I'm not Okay. How about then, the next one is repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. Paul writes it this way. He says, how many of you have ever been sorry? Anybody ever been sorry before? (laughs) I used to say, I'm sorry, and then I'd go back and do the same thing again. And then I'd say, I'm sorry, and then I'd go back and do the same thing again. Then I'd say, I'm sorry. Why? Because mama always told me that when I did something wrong, I should say, I'm sorry. So I was doing, I'm sorry, because mama said, But I wasn't doing I'm sorry because I actually intended to do anything different. You hear the difference? That's what repentance is, is that I'm deciding that I'm never going to do that again, so help me God. I am not sorry that I sent, so Paul writes it and he gave this letter, so he calls it a severe letter. I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. 
So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Repentance is one of the key components of change. It means you got to do these other steps. You got to have that that conviction that what you're, you're doing is wrong. It's not okay so that you'll make it right by God because he's the one who made it all right. The last one, I think, is commitment. Commitment. Which says really, I will or I won't, see? I will or I won't. Which says I'm going to lose weight, I will lose weight. Which says I will get over a coffee addiction, a diet soda addiction. Says I will you know, be kinder. It says, I will forgive. I will stop smoking. I will, whatever God put his finger on. Remember, if you're willing to do it now, write it down right now. That's the last one on the bulletin. That whatever it is, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. That's the problem. That's why we failed so miserably up to this point. But now we're going to rely on him. So here's the blank. You must find that place of the heart. The, cons- the control center, that's your blank. The control center. You got to find that panel. You got to find the fuse that's blown out. You got to find whatever's out of balance, whatever's whacked. You got to go to that control center. There is no other option. No plan B. That's actually on the back of the page, so sorry. There is no other option. No plan B. The rest will finish next week. Folks, I think that of all the messages I have given, this message, as we continue with the things that will bring the change that God wants in your life, this, to me, is one of the most powerful. It's the reason I made an insert and and put it down, because I want you to be able to look at that. You go ahead and wrestle with it. And I can tell you this, I'll give the answer to the whole part of the issue of homosexuality next week. Huh? I'm going to give you the biblical definition. I'm going to give you what the Bible says, how we ought to be treating these things in our culture, because these are real lives that they're affecting and they're impacting. Hey, if you've got somebody who needs to be changed, next Sunday would be a good time to invite them. You don't have to wait for it for next Sunday, folks. You can do that right now. Worship team, can you come up? Is everybody here where we can go back into heaven, come down, whatever it is? I just want to end that way because I love that song. Amen? King of heaven. Do you mind if we sing that way to give you a send-off today? King of heaven, come down. I need you in my situation. I need you in my life. I need you in my family. I need you in my brother and my sister and my mom and my dad. I need you in my son or granddaughter or daughter. I need you in, in my workplace. I need you. I need you, God. I need the king of heaven to come down. Is anybody with me on that? Just stand up. If you know you need the king of heaven to come down. If you need the king of heaven to come down, let's stand up because we're that much closer to him. Amen. The reason for reaching our hands up is guess what? When little Ava comes to me, you know what she does? She puts her hands up because she wants Papa to pick her up. What I want is I want Papa to pick me up. And I don't want him to put put me down either. See, I know you can't hold your hands up for a whole song. I'm not asking you to do that. But after after Papa's got you in his, his arms, then what happens is Ava wraps her arms around me. So it might be that you bring your arms down and you might even find yourself looking like you're giving a self-hug. But it's really God's arms around you. Amen? Some way, find a way to, to incorporate Him into our worship that we're not just singing the words on the wall.
but we're literally experiencing his presence. King of heaven, come down. And I pray for us right now. I pray the power of the cross. I pray the power of the word of God, which does not return void, even as Anita said. It's it's your word, God, that says that, that you will cause it to do what you sent it for. And we agree that part of that speaks of Jesus the Christ, that that it is finished. He said, it is finished. The work he came for, he finished it. And God, we're on the verge. We're on the, we're right there at the, uh, on this edge looking, oh, we can see it, God, your glory and how you want to return your glory to the earth and how you want to return your glory to our country and how you want to return your glory into the life of your church and each and every person, God. So Lord, we thank you that you're about to come down. God, you're coming down by your spirit. There's a day where you're coming down when it's the end of all things. And so, God, we pray that right now you'll first send us, God, the latter rain. That, God, you have sent the former rain, you'll send the latter rain. God, that we're in the days, prophetic days of what you spoke, that you will do in the future ages. And so, God, we're asking for you to to do that work in our day. Let it be, God, not when we pass away. Let it be in our day. And, Father, I agree with the people that you've been gathering Uh, You know who they are in this place. People are in all walks of life, God. And in some places, they would be unacceptable. It would be unacceptable. They would be rejected. But God, that's not what you've called your church to be. And so, God, we agree that you're the, the one, the agent of change. You are. And so, God, we thank you that you're convicting and convincing your, your people that you're giving us insight and understanding that you're going to give us wisdom to know how to walk before you in a way that honors you, God, and serves you. And, Father, I bless each and every person here today, and we ask, God, that this week they'll know the reality of a transformed life, that they're going to be given it off, that, God, next week we'll have testimonies of people who have said, uh, witnessed it and recognized it, and we could give our testimony because they, they pried it out of us. They said, no, you got to tell me. So, God, instead of us forcing ourselves, it's that you've opened the door, you've paved the way. And we just agree with that, God, your, your goodness for you to be exalted. And we pray, Father, this week that you would hear the cries of your people when we say, King of heaven, come down.